welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I talk with newly appointed Boston University head coach, Tara Watchorn. We discuss the Canadian under-18 women's team, her experience starring the Stonehill College women's hockey program, and go deep on Boston University, her plans for the team, and their recruiting process. This was an amazing conversation with Tara, so I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to today's amazing episode, I wanted to give you an update on Champs app. We now have over 80 college coaches with verified Champs app profiles, most of them from D1 schools, and we continue to add more coaches each week. Once you create your beautiful, free hockey resume on Champs app, you will have a personalized profile link to share with coaches and teams, or you can connect with team coaches directly within Champs app. Coaches not only learn more about you as a player, but they also get notified of your upcoming schedule, when you add videos, and where you are playing if you change teams. Just go to champs.app and click the sign up button to start or update your profile. If you want to learn more, look in the show notes for links to the list of college coaches using Champs app and videos about why and how to create your free Champs app hockey resume. I'm very excited to have my first three-time guest on the podcast. Tara Watchorn is the recently announced new head coach of the Boston University Terriers. Last time she was on, she was about to kick off the inaugural season for the Stonehill Skyhawks and return as an assistant coach with the Canadian under-18 girls team. Not only is she returning to her alma mater as the head coach, succeeding the legend Brian Droche, she will also be the head coach of this coming January for the Canadian under-18 girls team at the World Championships in Switzerland. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Tara. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Nice to be back. Uh, just uh, totally looking forward to, to chatting with you. So much to talk about. Um, but before we get to kind of the stuff directly related to you, there was some big news this week about the new Professional Women's Hockey League. Uh, you played for the Boston Blades in the CWHL. You won a, uh, a championship, a Clarkson Cup championship. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the news of the United Professional Women's Hockey League. Just so exciting. It's a historic moment for our game and uh, – you know, been a long time coming and just really excited to see where this goes. I know there's still a little bit of uncertainty. We're starting to see the plan they have and how they're going to roll it all out, but just so excited to be a fan and to see how it's going to help grow our game. I think when we get that established professional league, I think it's going to impact our game at every level um, from young girls feeling the pressure to have success at an early age and through college and national teams. So really, really fun time for the women's game. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, well, we'll see how it all pans out. Obviously, they're going to be in your backyard playing in Boston. We'll see where they end up playing in terms of uh, location. Maybe it's TD Garden. Uh, maybe it's the, um, uh, sorry, the practice facility for the uh, the Boston Bruins. But we, we shall see. Of course, they could be playing, you know, at your rink or at one of the other uh, um, uh, NCAA D1 team rinks. So we'll see. Um, so, uh, we're going to get to Stonehill, we're going to get to Boston University, but really I want to start off with Hockey Canada. Um, first, I'd just like to summarize, you you repeated as champions for the under-18s um, in January, uh, playing the hometown team in the finals, not USA Hockey, um, and, and that was quite the game. Um, you ended up winning ten uh, nothing, I believe, it was in the in, in the finals. And um, my my big question is: in that game, did you implement the three pass rule once you got to five goals? Did you make, basically make everybody you know pass the puck two or three times before you were allowed to shoot once you got to five? Uh, the classic three pass rule. <laughs> Good question, though. It was it. I mean, our girls came out so strong. It was so fun to watch. To be honest, the way that 
you know, they really have grown our offensive game and our ozone play. You don't have to. You know, our, our philosophy is always how do you upgrade the puck? How do you create quality scoring chances? And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and so, I mean, it was amazing. You outshot uh, Sweden 40 to 21. Um, when, in the one game you played the U.S. because they didn't make it to the finals, you outshot them 35 to 11. So is that just like, as you just mentioned, around how you treat the puck in the offensive zone? Um, or is it just great goaltending? Like, what is it that, you know, how you coach or the players that you selected that just made you so dominant in, in that tournament? Well, such a talented group. I don't think no matter how you coach, right? Like they are, they were just able to uh, play with speed, play together with speed and, and manage the puck. And it made it a lot of fun to coach. But yeah, I think it's, it's understanding on how to, how to sustain ozone time, how to create quality scoring chances, how to play fast in transition. And uh, they just ate it all up. And it was uh, really, really special to watch the group play. And anything related to puck pressure, like when, let's, let's say there's a shot, there's a rebound, the other team gets the puck, like how are you able to recover that puck in the offensive zone? Yeah, I think whenever we don't have the puck, you know, we play an attack style defense. We take away time and space. Uh, there's no hesitation. So I think just having that really aggressive style defense creates puck possession back for us in transition style offense. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so um, not sure if you're aware, but I over the summer I wrote uh, several posts about the USA hockey selection process, um, and I had my point of view and tried to use some some data to support you know what what my perspective was. Um, but I'm really more just curious about how Hockey ha Canada does this the player selection process. Um, you know, like starting with I'm assuming at the provincial level um, and then going to the national level. So can, generally, can you just outline what what that process looks like and 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 how that all works until you end up finally obviously um you know recently you you, you just had the, the the new under 18 team play in, in a series against uh, um the u.s just talk about how it works kind of starting at the provincial level or the local level getting to the national level yeah i i really really respect our process with hockey canada and um from our, our team of scouts our regional scouts and our head scout uh they they're watching our girls play from grassroots you know, Hockey Canada in general really invests in the grassroots programming at all of our provincial levels and helping build that. Uh, but with regards to evaluating, uh, our, our regional scouts are out there watching them from the ages of, I mean, I don't know exactly how young, but all the way up through minor hockey. And so when it comes to putting our selection camps together, they, they pull those players for us because they're the ones watching them play. They're the ones watching them develop. Um, and it's, it's a team effort. And then we get best on best uh, when we get the camp together in August, two teams worth of girls playing. And then we work together as a group of coaches and scouts to, to name the final team. There's a really, really in-depth ranking process, feedback process, because ultimately, especially when you look at this under 18 age group, uh, we're talking about development. So it's not just the selection and ranking and uh, evaluating. It's, okay, how do we do that? Pick the best possible team to compete in that moment, um, but also invest in that larger pool of players long-term and with the feedback process and player development. So, you know, I know we talk about it now within Hockey Canada. It's a selection process. Uh, just because you don't necessarily get selected for that August team doesn't mean you're not being um, developed and evaluated for future teams down the road. Uh, and I think that's the mindset we really want to shift for our program. And Gina's done a great job with that. Oh, boy, there's a lot in there that I want to talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so can, do you mind if I break it down into a little bit more detail? So, yeah, I'll try to answer as many as I can. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned that, you know, at the regional level, you have uh, folks watching. So are they watching throughout the year, and does that impact, you know, like like how they get selected even at the 18s 
uh, camp, like the who, who are picked. So, um, you know, specifically, you know, this is my understanding is that at USA Hockey, how you perform during the camp is really what matters. They don't look at your body of work. They're looking at how you performed in those five, six, seven days that you're there, not at the body of work, because what matters is at that moment. Does Hockey Canada have a different perspective? Yeah, they're they're watching them play year round with their club teams, and I think the big thing is really also their provincial programs are important. They have selection processes for that that's separate, um, but they're constantly being evaluated from their provincial programs and from their minor hockey teams playing throughout the season. So they build up the body of work in terms of selecting the camp rosters. And are those uh, people doing the evaluation? Are they like independent? related just to Hockey Canada, or are they also like the coaches or, um, you know, the, 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 the head people running clubs or schools, or do they our, have like our, a dual role? Our team of scouts is out there, uh, our regional scouts that work as a team, and they, uh, they're the ones doing the work during the season. And so, sorry, and, but are they dedicated to, like, are, do they have a dual role, or are they just dedicated to scouting and development? Just scouting and development. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I don't believe that it currently exists. I know it has in the past with, at USA Hockey, so I'm just trying to understand it. Okay. So, and now in terms of the feedback process, tell me how that works, both uh, what you know at the provincial level, but for sure at the national level. Yeah, I can only personally, right, speak to what, you know, I've experienced um, with the with the U18 group, but every player that comes to camp gets in-depth feedback as a combination of our coaches that work with them and our scouting team, and and they get that, and um, Sherry Piper, our head scout and lead of player development, helps coordinate that type of information and feedback, and, uh, you know, they have access to her in terms of their growth and development. Gotcha. And just curious, do you use analytics or video as part of that feedback? Now, at the under-18 level, when we're still with such a big body of players, I know the senior team does it differently all the way down, um, but we're just, it's more of uh, getting kind of that documented feedback um, and then obviously opportunities for questions and things like that later down the road. Gotcha, gotcha. And then generally speaking, how do you decide, like, who, who makes the under-18 team? Like, when, once you're at, at, at the camp, you know, in August. Yeah, it's a combination of all the coaches involved, all the scouts, and and putting together the the rankings after every game. Um, and it comes out in the wash, right? Your, your top players, they they rise to the top, and then you know the coach works with the scouts with their vision for the team and what, how they want to play and their philosophy and style. And you know it's a collaborative effort. You know the coaches work with the with the scouts and and management, and and we piece together that that final roster. And like I said, it's the team that in that moment we feel like is going to help us succeed and represent Canada. It's not to say that we think that that team is going to be the same team down the road. It's in that moment. That's the team we feel can have the, the most success for us. And do you have a bias towards older players versus, you know, um, you know, uh, some teams may have a philosophy of, Hey, we, we, we always need to have two or three, you know, like 15 year olds on the team. So, uh, so that, so that they'll be back in a year from now or two years from now to help grow the team. Cause I noticed, um, you know, when, when you played uh, in the series against uh, the U S a, a couple of weeks ago, um, your average age was about four and a half months older than the U.S. team. You had uh, 17 of your 23 players were 2006. Well, um, Canada, you know, only had like 13, but I had a whole bunch of 15-year-olds. Uh, well, just, just just curious what your perspective is on that. Good analytics that you that you put together there. Honestly, it's the best players in the moment. Um, you know, I think there's obviously from a management perspective, they're constantly looking at the growth of our ultimately, right? We're growing these players to hopefully represent our country one day in the Olympics. But um, in that moment, we're picking the best players to represent our program. 
Gotcha, gotcha. And um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you had at least nine returning players, uh, is that right, playing? So so do you think that helped in terms of level of experience and just like confidence on the ice? Yeah, from my perspective on the coaching side and getting to work with the girls that have been there and been exposed to that high performance environment to play in, you know, in um, world championships and represent your country like that experience, especially at this age is you really see it, right? It really allows them to hit the ground running and play with confidence. So from the from my perspective and how I've experienced it as a coach, like I think it, it definitely doesn't hurt. Okay, gotcha. So um, once again, you outshot uh, the U.S. 108 to 46. You outscored them 15 to three. Uh, do you end, so I'm, I'm assuming a lot of your ozone play was, was consistent with what you saw back in January. Um, and what what you know? Do you expect to have many changes to your team without giving away any secrets uh, come January? Well, what we always say historically, like I don't think the roster has ever been the same from our series to world championships. So that's that's what we tell our athletes is that, you know, we're going to continue to watch. You know, the scouts are going to continue to watch. There's You're going to represent your provinces and play national championships. So um, historically, it's never been the same. So I can tell you that much. But obviously, we definitely had a good run this summer. Gotcha. All right. And so you're going to be heading over to Switzerland um, in, in early January, I'm assuming, or maybe even late December. Um, and we'll get back to this in a second, but obviously you're going to be taking away time from your team. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to how the impact will be on Boston University because you do have your J job to, to consider. But <laughs> now let's let's transition off of thank you very much for answering all those uh, Hockey Canada questions. Now let's get back to, um, you know, where we left off a year ago is you're about to kick off the inaugural season for the Stonehill Skyhawks, the uh, first, um, you know, new team for, for you to coach uh, as part of the new uh, conference. So pretty good first season. Can't complain about a 19-6-2 season. Um, any just overall comments on, uh, you know, how you felt about how the season went for your for your first time coaching as a head coach? Yeah, what a, what an amazing year. I have nothing but fond memories um, and so much appreciation for the young women that took a chance on me and took a chance on a new program. And um, they're going to be an amazing group to watch moving forward. But from day one, they bought in, they were open, they, they competed every day, and they were just such a pleasure to work with that I feel so passionate about the culture and the foundation that they laid. And I know, um, you know, manufacturing a legacy is in their future. Awesome, awesome. So you, you you made it all the way to the semifinals. You lost to St. Anselm in the in the semifinals. Um, you know, look, looking back on just that game, um, you know, what do you think uh, was the reason why you weren't able to to make it to the finals? It was a good game. I mean, I, it probably was one of the best games I've seen our team play. I, I think you know it just the way that it went. Sometimes you don't get you don't get that that goal that you need in big moments. Um, but I really reflecting back on it was so impressed with how our team played. I think St. A's goalie played well and capitalized special teams and, uh, but it was a good, good fun game for sure. Great. Yeah, Cause I had Jen Kindred on the uh, podcast just a couple of months ago. So she, she commented on making it to the finals against LIU. So great. Awesome. So overall, what do you attribute the uh, success of the team? Um, was it recruiting, coaching, uh, goaltending, or just weak competition? <laughs> um, most of those what you just named but oh, I mean we had great goaltending which kept us in I think about some of those the early months when you know Zooks and Eve were playing amazing for us and facing 30-40 shots a game like they kept us in it early on with our young group getting used to the, the D1 level um, but I honestly think it was 
our attention to detail in, in everything that we did. And um, the girls bought in like our habits, building our language and our on ice and off ice identity. Uh, I think like we laid that foundation and then it just grew from there. So I attribute it to their amazing talent. So obviously I felt like that 04 group, there was a, like we talked about probably way back on the first podcast. Um, I felt like there was a lot of talent still out there. And I think that that group of girls, you know, proved that they deserve to be D1 athletes and, um, they definitely showed that. So I think their talent obviously allowed for a lot of success, but their buy-in and uh, the foundation we built and culture, I think, really allowed us to have a great first year. Yeah, and, and having so many like true freshmen on the team, uh, that only bodes well for the next two, three years as they continue to mature and 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 gel as as a team even further. So um, I'm just curious. I mentioned this earlier as it relates to Hockey Canada. Um, were you able to use analytics uh, this year with your team, and if so, how? Yeah, I mean, we use uh, Instat, and it's something that I love to, to use to complement, you know, everything else that you're doing, right? It's not something that you um, lean on ultimately and only, but it definitely is something that allows us to break down film, get a sense of especially time on ice, shift length, impact on your shifts, and um, things that we can use with players individually so they can have a bigger impact on the game and then also as a team. But um, to me, shift length, time on ice, and all of that is uh, was a great place where we started with it. And I'm curious, do you use it more from a, you know, overall coach, here's my philosophy, I want to see how well we're implementing my system, or do you more use it at the individual level and saying, hey, let's let's look at you and, and say, okay, these are the areas where the analytics show that you're really strong, and here are the areas that if you just work on these three things, that'll get you up to an, a new level. Yeah, I think individually it is a really cool tool to use, and but I think you also have to have a vision of the style of play that you want. But I think, yeah, you can sit down with an individual and I mean, I mean, analytics now you can pull up so many different things, but whether you want to look at face off puck battles, uh, possession, whatever it is, like what zones of the ice you're possessing the puck in as individually as a player, as a line. Um, I think all those things are great tools you can work with individually. You know, for me, we have a set kind of, um list of habits that are controllable things for us and those are things that you know maybe not every analytics program can track for you but something that we like to track and and to me those are controllable habits that will lead to the ultimate success that we want and i'm assuming then you sit down individually uh, probably as a coaching staff with with players and, and kind of go through the data help them understand is that correct for sure Okay, cool. All right. So just a couple more questions about Stonehill. Um, so what went better than expected, given that, you know, it was your first time starting a new program and what didn't go as, as expected? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, I mean, I think ultimately uh, my reflection after the year was kind of what you already alluded to, our ultimate record. You know, I, I felt in my mind, you know, we kind of had a plan to build, uh, you know, maybe account for a slow start or, you know, our to kind of peak for playoffs, I did not foresee us putting together the body of work that we did. And I think like reflecting back on our record is pretty cool. And I think like, like I said earlier, it's a testament to the fact that we have amazing athletes on and our team that we're ready for the D1 level. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing, just that ultimate body of work and the record that the girls put together. Um, on the other side of things, I mean, learn so much. I, throughout the year, I think one thing I really um, that really stuck with me is that especially when you build from scratch, you know, I had this vision in my mind how it's going to go and we're going to phase one, phase two, phase three, and you want the culture to be perfect, but it was to get comfortable with 
it not being perfect and to understand that like through every adversity, every challenge, which there was so many of them, um, every hard conversation and relationship, that's what was important for our culture. Because every time that you, how you decide to deal with that, that's setting the precedent for what's important to you and what you value. So I think like coming to the the understanding that it's not about it being perfect, but it's about taking pride in how we respond to every imperfection. Gotcha. Gotcha. So related to the imperfections, looking back, what would you do differently? I mean, a lot of probably a lot of little things, I think, but to be honest, I think the big thing that I don't think having such a big group of freshmen that we realized uh, the social stress that comes with college. I think like um, everything away from the rink too. I think you feel the highs and lows a little bit more. We felt, and it was, uh, I always say like a big social science experiment that we put together with that many first years coming uh, together as a group. So, I mean, with that, there was challenges, but also so many strengths. Uh, so, I mean, there are a lot of little things. I don't necessarily think I can put my finger on one, you know, regret or what I do different, but I think foreseeing that element of challenge uh maybe we didn't foresee as much coming in gotcha gotcha okay now we're gonna start transitioning into boston university and how you can apply the learnings from from this <laughs> from from your first year as a, as a as a true head coach um but let, let's let's actually just talk about boston university i've had many alumni of boston university whether coach or players on the podcast but never the actual head coach or one of the assistant coaches <laughs> so uh so let, let's just get the basics out of the way boston university it's in the middle of boston um you know huge uh huge you know l large city large uh, number of students uh let's just talk about the school and what the strengths are the school of the school are yeah, an amazing academic institution and an amazing city. I think you nailed it in the first two. Um, and, you know, I always laugh, my staff will laugh at me, but I always preface everything with I'm biased because I fell in love with BU and I was going through the process and got to play here. But, you know, I really do feel like you can have it all at BU. You know, that we have majors that span almost every area. You can really major in what you want and figure out your academic career and future here. Uh, we have world-class faculty uh, and programs that you're going to be challenged and have an amazing degree when you walk away from here. Um, you have the amazing culture and diversity and excitement of a city, and I truly feel like you can make your experience what you want it to be here. Um, whether you want that smaller community feel or you want to, you know, explore the city more, whatever it is, I, I really just feel like you'll be challenged um, as a person, as a student, and as an athlete. And I really do feel like you can do all three at BU. You can do all three of the, those areas, and you can do it in a big way. Um, and I, I really felt like, for me personally, as a player, I grew here, um, not just, you know, athletically, but as a person. I like to think that's what we provide for the girls now. Gotcha. And let's talk about the uh, facilities for the, the hockey program. I know you play at Walter Brown Arena, which is uh, right behind me, as well as I believe you have a practice facility next door from um, from what I remember from uh, walking around right next to Nickerson Field. So uh, maybe just talk about the facilities. Obviously, they're pretty world class because you guys are definitely attracting some top players to, to, to the school. Yeah, so we actually, we play in practice at a Walter Brown. Uh, we have our own rink. So there's two rinks. Our men have a rink and our and Walter Brown is our, our own rink for the women's program. So uh, pretty awesome. It's a great, great arena with a lot of history, uh, a great atmosphere for games. You know, we get the band in there and the dog pound and that low ceiling. And it's uh, an amazing place to play. Um, one of the great atmospheres, I think, in college hockey. But yeah, great, great setup there. And um can't complain really I know we have some potential renovations on the horizon and hopeful for that in the summers to come 
Gotcha. Okay, so now let's just talk about how you got the job. So Brian DeRoche, legend, there for, I don't know, decades as, as the head coach. Um, you played for him, you coached with him. Um, uh, so was it always part of the plan to come back, and how did it all work? <laughs> well, I'd say first, I mean, I always say Brian took a chance on me as a young coach, so he helped me fulfill dream number one was just coaching at my alma mater and, and making a career out of coaching. Uh, the fact that I got the kind of transition from my playing career right into college division one coaching it was pretty special and um and I attest my entire career thus far to that opportunity and just ran with it I think so like I said the dream to coach at your alma mater no doubt um and then starting to realize that the dream of being a head coach at my alma mater is something that is is a possibility um it's definitely a dream come true getting this position and uh, I can't believe it's this early or this, uh, you know, this young in my career, but um, it's not lost on me how special this is. All right. So you didn't answer my question. So when, when, when you left BU, did you think there was a chance you'd be coming back? Because, you you know, Brian could only coach for so long. I was just wondering if that's it or, or, or you're going to ignore my question. Oh, I think like for sure in the back of my mind, right? Like ultimately being a head coach at your alma mater is uh, is a dream for sure. So a little bit faster than I may have anticipated, but it was always something that was uh, on my radar for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so uh, let's just talk about your staff. Um, so you you brought back, um, you know, you brought with you Megan Myers, who was with you at Stonehill. And then you, you, you were the assistant coach to Courtney Kessel, who was the head coach of the under-18s. So that, that uh, I, I can imagine you two figured out that you can get along pretty well, even if the, <laughs> the roles would be reversed. So just talk about the recruiting of your staff. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty lucky. I like to think we have the dream team staff here. Um, Megan had to bring her with me, no doubt. She is an amazing coach. The girls absolutely love her. The way that she builds relationships with people and her passion for the game is contagious. So, so happy to have Megan with me here at, at BU. And yes, you nailed it on the head with Court and I. Um, you know, our careers have been intertwined our entire lives as players and we've played with and against each other and we've played with each other on provincial teams, national teams, all the way up to the senior national team for Team Canada. So we've always found that liking to each other and building that relationship as players and um, you know, last year for the under 18 team in Sweden was the first time we ever got to be behind the bench together. And I think we realized that we really enjoyed doing that. And I don't think it matters, honestly, what role we're in. Um, I feel so grateful to have her by my side and that she wanted to take on this journey with me. Gotcha. And I've definitely seen all three of you, uh, not just this past summer, but over the last uh, 18 months at many locations. So I know all of you like to, to go out and, and do a lot of recruiting. So we're going to get into the most important thing, which is, hey, it's been a while since uh, the, the Terriers have been in the NCAA tournament. Um, and back then you had the best player in the world on your team, Marie-Philippe Poulain. So uh, eight years is a long time. Um, what's, what's your plan to get back to the tournament? Yeah, that's definitely our plan and our goal is to get back on the national stage. And to be honest, when I think of BU and everything that this program has to offer, uh, no reason that we shouldn't. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is winning the right way and building that foundation. And I think it's, you know, building relationships here, setting the culture that we want, attention to detail and how, who we are as people and how we train and how we compete and uh, really creating that identity that we want. It starts there. So it's going back to the basics and, um, you know, having faith that when you really put that attention to detail on the little things, the big things will, will add up. Okay, will, be there, will there be a change to the style of play or a certain style of play that you really want to uh, implement? 
Well, I think you'll see more of just the coach, the teams that I've coached in the past. I think it's attention to detail on habits, uh, the controllable things and how we play away from the puck and then creating transition offense so we can be creative with the puck. Uh, so I think be, playing fast by being predictable to each other offensively, but being really hard to play against defensively and really taking away time and space. Okay. And um, based on what you've seen from the top programs, many of them in the uh, WCHA, um, you know, what, what, what do you think it's going to take to compete at, at that level with those uh, top five teams? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's no easy feat. That's for sure. I think obviously a, a good goaltender is never going to hurt you if you want to make a run for a national championship, but uh, team defense in front of that. And I think you're able to do that and, and build that as your team identity. I think you'll give yourself a chance to compete at any level and um, finding chemistry offensively and having all five players every time they're on the ice impactful is ultimately the goal. Gotcha. So and I noticed you have 27 players on the roster uh, currently on, on your website. Um, you know, that, that that's going to be a challenge just from finding ice time for everybody. What's your philosophy on how you're going to manage the team this year, especially since uh, I'm assuming only a handful at best of the players you actually recruited yourself? Yeah, it's been really cool in that, you know, not being here not too long ago as an assistant, I, I have some previous relationships with the girls and, um, but I told them, you know, I, I like to think you guys think I can grow in two years and I'll give you that same benefit of the doubt. So the seniors were actually freshmen when I was here last. So, but yeah, it's been two years. So I think the biggest thing is communication and there's going to be no perfect world. There's going to be hard conversations, but just trying to be as upfront as possible, as early as possible. And um, just keeping that that line of communication open will be important when you're talking about managing a roster of that size. Um, but I also tell the girls just, I think as a staff for us being open-minded, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month um, for their development and their ability to impact our team. I think we're looking for players that when they go on the ice, they have an impact. And if you do that, you're going to go back out. So it's having the mentality of being you know, be impactful and leaving your mark and not worrying about not making a mistake. And if they can keep focusing on how they can do that individually and with their line, then uh, we're in a good spot. Gotcha. So I, I noticed that, uh, surprisingly, you only have four players from Massachusetts slash uh, the New England area. Um, uh, do you know if that was intentional or is it just worked out that way? Um, and would you anticipate more getting folks from, from your neck of the woods uh, going forward? Or would they be actually from Canada, from the under-18 team, I guess, would be the other option. <laughs> I think there's never a set in stone like where you want players to come from. I think the biggest thing that's important to me and our staff is having diversity. I think it really elevates the experience of your locker room. And, you know, I know historically speaking at BU, we've always been about half and half Canadians and Americans from all over. And now we're all over the world, which I think is great with the growth of our game. But um, there's no dead set approach. I think it's just trying to find the players that are the right fit for BU and the right fit for BU women's hockey. And, um, you know, the more that they're from everywhere, the better, because they all get to bring those experiences with them and contribute to the overall team. Okay. All right. So um, now you're going to have a challenge in, in early January, which is how are you going to have time to both do the under 18s team and coach BU at the same time, especially since a couple of your games overlap uh, if things go well. So um, you're going to be in Switzerland and I'm assuming uh, Courtney will probably take over as head coach while you're gone for those, for those two games in, in uh, January 12th, 13th weekend. So. That right? For sure. And that's the best part about having an amazing staff um, is that we have uh, the staff to do it. So they'll take the helm while I'm gone. And um, I have no doubt that they'll be in good hands.
Okay. And, and, and how many of the players from the under 18 have you already recruited for Boston University um, in 2024 or 2025? I think you can assume that every coach in college hockey is probably uh, recruiting those guys. That's for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so let's move a little bit into the into the recruiting side of things. Um, I want to get your impression on the transfer portal. I know uh, there's a team right nearby you, a school right nearby you, who lost two of their top players. I don't know if they were lost, but they graduated. But they went to another top program, and it's been a, a challenge for kind of some of the um, non-top five schools uh, holding on to their players as as some of those players go to top five schools. I wonder what your just your perspective is. Um, obviously, it can work both ways. But uh, what what are your thoughts on the transfer portal and the competitiveness? at the at the d1 level yeah it's uh an interesting landscape to say the least um but you know i think ultimately you want the student athlete to be happy we want happy young women walking around this campus and i hope we create an environment where that's where you know girls want to be i think it's part of the landscape uh for me i hope it's not too big of a part of our landscape i want to develop players that come in here who are bu through and through and want to be terrier alum but you know i think that there's always going to be different circumstances that, you know, lend it to be, you know, useful in that moment. So I think don't want it to be a huge part of our landscape, but ultimately I, we know that it is part of the overall landscape. And and do you feel like pressure or like is the bar set from your school that you need to win every year? Because it's my understanding that there's at least two or three of these schools where there is that pressure that you're expected to win every year uh, to, to at least make the finals of the Frozen Four. It's definitely uh, it's definitely something that we have a goal for ourselves every year with the way that we support this program with, you know, the way that we treat hockey at BU. Yeah, it's it's where we want to be. There's no doubt. But I think where I feel like it's a great fit here is that we want to do it the right way. It's piece of the puzzle, but you want student athletes that are growing. You want student athletes that are becoming leaders and you want to create an environment where we're winning the right way. I think we want to win, but uh, all of those other things are important uh, just as much. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm, this is probably the third time I'm asking you this question, and I'm sorry I'm going to ask it to you again, but what do you look for when you're recruiting a player? Yeah, well, I love the question, right? I think it's, you need the foundational skill set. Obviously, you need to be able to skate the game at the highest levels and carry a puck and, and shoot a puck. But for me, beyond that, I always look for, does the play continue with you or end with you? Because uh, the difference is when you play at the highest levels, you can't do it alone. And it's the players that can read off each other, you know, make five foot, 10 foot plays, um, you know, get that play to the offensive zone. So whether it's puck protection and, and things like that. So I really look for players that continue the play. And I think beyond that, if you can shoot off the pass, if you're, especially at a young age, you're going to elevate uh, yourself in any capacity because that's how you score at the next level. So I really just look for players that can play with people around them that have compete um, and make people around them better. And then how do you, so let's get into more specific um, recruiting questions. How do you decide, you know, when and how to make an offer to a player? How, how does that all work? There's no specific science to it. It's a collaborative decision we make as a staff and based on the touch points we've had, based on where we feel um, and how we feel they could contribute to our program. You know, if you think about it, there's only a very small percentage of players that you kind of know right away going into that next recruiting cycle that like they'll help us, you know? So I think those ones are easy, but you work down your depth chart, you start to build an entire picture of a, of a young woman based on her personality and character and how they would contribute to your team on and off the ice, academic fit, 
um, you know, people that love BU just as much as we do. So I think as you start to go through that recruiting process, getting to know the girls and their families is important and, and what they want out of their experience and what we want out of the experience. So I think all of that is uh, kind of try to piece together the entire puzzle. Gotcha. And and from my interactions with uh, Brian DeRoche um, over the last couple of years, when I see him at events and and, and said, hi, coach, and, and things like that, you know, he was very meticulous about taking notes um, along the glass. Um, and I'm sure you've seen that yourself and and very responsive to my questions. And and my understanding is that he also was very responsive to, to emails, um, whether even if you weren't, um, you know, old enough by the June 15th date, you would at least re uh, acknowledge kind of your emails and things like that. And it also seems that it kind of um, funneled down to anyone that worked for him at some point in his career, even the, the, the alumni of, of uh, the other coaches. So I'm just wondering, you know, what do you do when a player emails you and how do you respond? Like, do you respond to all of them? Do you pick and choose some of them based on, you know, what they say in the email or, or what you know about the player? Like, how do you, um, what's your philosophy on responding to inquiries from, from players? Yeah, it's definitely something I've learned from the best. I've learned from Brian. I think it's why he's so respected in, in our field is the way that he works with people. And he's always taken the time to try to respond to as many as possible. But, you know, that's something we do as a staff within within reason, within all of our, our time demands. But uh, we do. We try to get back to as many people as possible. But I also think, you know, when you get into those windows, like when pre-Naha, uh, Pip Labor Day and a Togo exhibition series when you're getting emails from probably over 500 players like you got to you know manage your time appropriately but we do our absolute best to try to at least read go through and uh, engage and respond to the ones we can. And what advice do you have for players to kind of stand out to you um, beyond just obviously excelling on the ice? Yeah, I think like always the updates on what you're doing. I think the big tournaments we know, right? We're going to get out there. We're going to see you. But, um, you know, anything with your schedule that maybe isn't like the really big tournaments is always helpful. Like, hey, I'm playing in this area or in this um, video never hurts. It's not a tool that will make decisions on solely uh, based on video. But especially if you're someone that, you know, doesn't live in kind of a hot spot area, uh, it never hurts. Um, and then, yeah, just why you have interest in our program. I think like what what about you um, and BU uh, makes it a good fit and why we should take a look at you. And and has there any, have you ever recruited anybody who like you basically discovered via email, not because you actually had seen them already? I'm just curious if that's ever happened. Yeah, I mean, when I think about when I got the job at Stonehill, like yeah, there was a lot of emails that really attracted my attention to players. And, um, you know, same at BU. Like we've had some that intrigue in your interest and make sure you keep an eye out for them on the road, no doubt. Okay. Any other advice that you have for parents or players who are kind of, um, you know, let's just say the 2025 or 2026 class on how to prepare for the upcoming or current uh, recruiting uh, season? Yeah, I think just keep doing doing your research on schools and, um, you know, trying to find a good fit for you and stay diligent in the process. And, you know, um, but I think the biggest thing, and this might be naive of me, but keep focusing on your own growth and development. You know, I really do feel like if you if you continue to get better and, and you keep, you know, you play for coaches that help develop you and you're, you're going to get seen, right? And I think so to control the things you can control and obviously emailing and things like that is great, uh, but don't lose sight of the development piece. And sometimes playing in every single showcase every summer, you're not growing as much. So work in some, you know, playing other sports and training and, and skill development. So I think trying to stay, um, you know, aware of that and making sure you have a balance. 
Gotcha. So I'm going to turn a little bit back now to your, your current team. So you haven't gone on the ice yet because classes haven't started yet at BU, as, as you informed me just before we started chatting. So I'm curious, what are you going to do in those first couple of weeks to get the team to bond and like learn from the experience from last year? So now I'm going to follow up with what you learned from Stonehill that you're going to apply at BU. For sure. We have uh, we have a training plan that kind of outlines all of the phases of our season. And so when we get here, we've had some Zooms and things like that to allow us to hit the ground running because preseason's pretty short. Um, but yeah, we got a plan. We're going to get on the ice next week and start to build our foundation with our habits and highlight some areas of skill development we think would be beneficial for our group. And then we'll dive into some team concepts right away and, and start to build that. So uh, we're going to hit the ground running. It's probably going to be a little bit of video heavy in the first few weeks, but uh, excited to just get on the ice with them and get a sense for where we're at. And, um, and your season doesn't start, you know, uh, against a soft team. I believe uh, you're, you're going right up against Northeastern. Is that correct for your first couple that, of games? That is correct. So, so those will be like, that'll be a cakewalk, right? You're talking another 10 nothing win uh, that you're predicting already. Uh, so um, always tough to play Northeastern. So that, that'll be a nice challenge. And then you're, um, you'll be back at the bean pot uh, this year. I believe those might be some bean pots behind you over your, uh, your right shoulder. Uh, how excited are you to be uh, back in the bean pot again? So excited. It's such a, such a fun time of our season, such a fun tradition uh, in Boston and can't wait to be back and obviously exciting this year. Uh, hopefully making the final and playing at TD Garden. Exactly. Yeah. You start, you start off against uh, Boston College, I believe. And so, uh, and that's uh, right when you get back from Switzerland, if I remember correctly, uh, probably the first game you get back from Switzerland. Yeah, right? you nailed it. All right, so Tara, I want to wish you the best of luck with your first season as head coach at Boston University. Always great to talk to you. Hopefully I will see you uh, uh, on the road somewhere in the next couple of months. But uh, best of luck to the start of the season and to your whole team going forward. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I really want to thank Tara for coming on the podcast for a third time. So much great information on Hockey Canada, her Stonehill experience, and her plans for BU. You can connect with Tara on the team's website or via her Champs app profile. Links to both are in the show notes.